Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 25. Has this generation seen a person who truly follows the Lord fully with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, all of their strength? Is that what you want to be? Do you want to be uh, just a nominal Christian? Is that good enough for you? you? You read your Bible every now and then. You pray every now and then. You go to church when it's convenient. Is that what you want? Nominal? No, it was said of Caleb. He followed the Lord fully. So Nabal certainly did not follow in his family line. He didn't live up to his family lineage. But he was very wealthy. He had a lot going on. But wealth does not make you smart, and it doesn't make you good. Abigail, in contrast to her husband, her name means my father is joy or rejoicing, and she was a solid gal. Now David, uh, verse 4, it says, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, visit Nabal, and greet him in my name. Now, the shearing of the sheep could happen two times during the year, and in shearing the sheep, you'd make money. And if you had these large amounts of flocks, 4,000, then you would be making money, and it was a festive occasion. The the sheep shearing was almost like another festival for Israel. It would be a joyous time. It would be a time when a man like this was making a lot of money. And so David sends his men. Remember, they're living in caves in the wilderness. They're on the run. They don't have a whole lot of supplies. So he says, uh, go in my name, go in the name of David, verse 6, and thus you shall say, have a long life, peace be to you, and peace to your house, and peace to all that you have, peace, 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 right? So go in my name, I want you to approach this guy, and we're going to look for this guy to lend us some help. Jesus sent out the 12 in Matthew chapter 10, and he said, I want you to go out to the lost sheep of Israel. And I want you to go house to house. And when you do, if there's somebody worthy of leaving your peace there, then leave it. But if they reject you and they won't accept what you say, wipe the dust off your feet and protest to that city and say, see you later, right? And just move on to the next place. Well, there's an there's a offer of peace here. The name of David is being put forth. David is the... Uh, the shadow of the Messiah. Think about coming to somebody in Jesus' name. Look at verse 7. And now I have heard that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days that uh, they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, this is what David's telling them to say now, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we, we have come on a festive day. Please give whatever you find. This is not a big uh, request. At your hand, uh, at hand to your servants and to your son David. So David humbles himself. Uh, David's very well known. Everybody, I think, around knows that he's going to become the king now. He's the giant slayer. He's the anointed one. It's pretty clear this guy's got a great reputation as a man of God. And so he comes to this fool. <laughs> That's his name. He comes to Nabal and he says, look, we, when you guys were out there in the open and when you had this many flocks, you were... Thieves would target you. 
So if they could steal your flocks and they could take down your shepherds, they would. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. So the shepherds had to be on watch. Well, David had 600 men and they were warriors. And so they provided protection, we're going to find out, for Nabal and his sheep. And, and since he didn't lose anything, it helped him make more money. So when David's young men came, verse 9, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name. They said, we come in the name of David, and they waited. They told him about what David's request was, but Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? Well, how does he know he's the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. So what does the fool Nabal do? When David comes with a request and David has blessed him, David could have charged for protection, but he didn't. He just says, whatever you have around, help us out, man. We're not, we're coming on this festive day. We know you're doing well. We've protected you. Just give us a little something. And who, who is David? He's probably like a lot of these guys that are running away from their masters. You know, there are people and they are presented the gospel and they say, who is Jesus? Just one of many religious leaders that people say, you know, you got to get to know. And they dismiss him as just another uh, option for life, another way maybe for a better life, or many roads, you know, and they'll all lead you to the same place. However, this Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. And no one comes to the Father, to God, except through me. Now, Jesus did not say he's one of many options. He said he is the only way to God. Now, if somebody says to you, well, that's very narrow. That's, that's very, you know, uh, exclusive, is it not? Yes, it is exclusive. Here's your response. But I didn't say it. Because sometimes people say to you, well, that's just your opinion. No, that's not my opinion. That's what Jesus said. So now you have to wrestle with, with, with whether or not Jesus is telling the truth or not. Now people sometimes say, well, maybe that Bible passage is not accurate then. So then what we're doing is now we're going to go to a manuscript argument. Is the Bible reliable? I, I know that most of you can make a good case for that. But see, that's a deflection. Jesus actually said he's the singular way to God. So that's what you have to wrestle with. Well, Nabal just just pushes it off. He says, I, I don't care. And then notice what he says. Shall I, verse 11, then take my bread and my water? I think there's seven uh, first person references here. My bread, my water, my meat that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men whose origin I don't know. You mean you don't know who David is? So what you see is something that we might just list as my, my, my. What a selfish man. What a fool. The future king has come to you just asking for a little bit to get by. And what does the fool do? I don't know who you are. and I don't care. It's my stuff. And also, this future king had provided protection for this man. And yet, he doesn't care. So David, David's young men retraced their way and went back. And I'm sure they were a little flustered. And they came and told him according to all these words. And David said to his men, each of you gird on his sword. Get your guns, boys. <laughs> this is a quick reaction. I think everybody was probably hungry and cranky. 
So each man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword, and about 400 men went up behind David while 200 stayed with the baggage or the supplies. So David says, all right, uh, if he doesn't want to be kind to us as we have been to him, uh, get, get your stuff and let's go. We're going to Nabal's house. So one of the young men told Abigail, remember Abigail is now the wife, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, Nabal's wife saying, behold, David sent messengers 14 from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. You could see her face dropping. Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day. All the time we were with them tending the sheep. David's men, and remember, these were not impressive people. Remember the people who came to him in the cave? They were downcast. They were in debt. But now they've kind of become like their leader. And have you noticed that? The people that follow somebody tend to become like their leader. And so they were kind. They They provided protection. And they're watching over shepherds. David was a shepherd And now he was going to learn how to be a shepherd of men and how to shepherd God's people. This is the progression that God uses in life. Here's an application point. God will give you a little bit. He will mold and shape you. Make sure that you're being true to that and then he'll give you a little bit more and then he'll give you a little bit more. Nobody starts at the top. You got to start being faithful. Be faithful to what God has given you and he will give you more. That's the point. It's required of a steward that he be found what? Faithful. That's what God's looking for is faithfulness. So this servant runs runs over and he goes, we're in trouble because uh, David, he's got a lot of guys and he's quite a warrior and our master has scorned him. So um, go to verse 17. Now therefore, know and consider what you should do. Now Abigail's being told the news. For evil is plotted against our master. This is not going to end well. And against all his household, which includes us. And since I'm a male, I think I'm in trouble. (laughs) And notice what this man says to Nabal's wife. He is such a worthless man (laughs) that no one can speak to him. You know how one way the Bible defines a worthless person, a fool? A fool is someone that nobody can talk to. A fool is unapproachable unteachable. They put up a wall around themselves and people get sick of even going to them anymore because they won't listen. And somebody, if you get to your point, a point in life where you won't listen to anybody except your own voice, you're in trouble. We have to stay teachable. And this servant says to the wife, and she knows it, and by the way, this is the wife, so if there was any doubt about his character, I don't think he would say it to the wife. Like, your husband's a fool. Everybody knows that, right? Well, I think she's shaking her head like, yeah, I know. He won't listen to anybody. Nobody can speak to him. That's why he went to the wife instead of going directly to his master. Now think it over, NIV 17, and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Now the idea of a wicked man or a scoundrel ties to the idea, the idea of he can't be talked to, he's a worthless, wicked man, is literally he is a son of Belial. If you uh, cross-reference 2 Corinthians 6.15, it says, what harmony has Christ with Belial? 
Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? So Christ and Belial are two opposites, and this is what Eli's sons were called. They were called worthless men, literally sons of Belial, and that's what Nabal is. He's, he's got a lot of money, but he's worthless. You know? You can have a lot of stuff, but your life's not worth much. It's like Zacchaeus in the New Testament. He's gotten wealthy, but he's a tax collector, and everybody hates him because he's ripping everybody off. So you can climb to the top, but not have a whole lot of worth to your life. Then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves. Now the wife is going to try to save the day. Verse 18. She took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine, bread and wine, which is interesting, five sheep already prepared. Now remember, he has 600 men. So even though this is, this is quite a gift, it's probably just a token gift. Uh, prepared and five measures of roasted grain. She's got a hundred clusters of raisins, even dessert, and 200 cakes of figs, and she loaded them on donkeys. So Abigail breaks into action. I was telling the boys, we were sitting in the jacuzzi the other night, and I told the the boys, I said, if we ever had a girl, we were going to name her Abigail. And they kind of looked around and said, was it me? (laughs) But we just like that name. It's a it's a beautiful story about this, this lady. So she said to her young man, 19, go on before me. Behold, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. And that's understandable. It's like when Jonathan went and uh, he was going to go to David, he wouldn't tell Saul because Saul was a fool. And in many ways, Nabal and Saul parallel each other. Nabal was a fool. Literally, that's his name. And Saul will say in the next chapter, I have acted foolishly so there's a there's a parallel idea here between these two men and it came about as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden part of the mountain so that seems to mean that she could see david but he could not see her that david and his men all 400 of them were coming down toward her so she met them now david had said surely in vain i have guarded all that this man has in the wilderness and just a side note There is some evidence that this tribe, the Calebite tribe, founded Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was the hometown of David. And there are some scholars that believe that Nabal is actually a kinsman, some sort of family connection to David, which makes the story all the more interesting that he just shuns him. He snubs him when he, he simply requests some food. Really, nothing in compared to what he provided. So uh, David says, uh, surely I've, I've done what I've done for this man in vain so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. It's possible that Abigail can hear him speaking. They, may, they are close enough. And he has returned me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David and more also if by morning I leave as much as one male of any who belong to him. So David said, uh, when we get there, we're going to kill every male that belongs to this man. And Abigail has heard it, and this is her household. So when Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. And she fell at his feet and said, 24, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. So all of a sudden, David's got blood in his eyes. He's on a mission. He's clearly stated what he's going to do, and he encounters this woman. It's the fool's wife. 
And what does she do? She's got a token gift. She gets off, she dismounts off this donkey, and she humbles herself before the anointed one. And the Bible says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives, what, grace to the humble. And David is going to learn a lesson here because in the past lesson, it was David stopping the thing, but now it's Abigail. It's a woman. By the way, in, according to the number of Hebrew words here, Abigail's speech is the longest speech given by a woman in the Old Testament. So this is, this is quite an incredible moment. And she bows before him. Now we know she's intelligent. We know she's beautiful. She's on her face before David. And she asks for her husband's sin to be put on her. She takes the blame. Now she's doing it to be strategic, we know. But she's also doing it because she's a wise woman. And she's willing to humble herself before the anointed one. Let me just say this to you. I told you that David cast the shadow of the Messiah. Anyone who is willing to humble themselves before Jesus Christ will find mercy and grace. That's all you've got to do. Some people wonder, what, how do you get saved? How do you become a Christian? It's really just humbling yourself before the Lord and saying, I know I've made mistakes. I'm willing to take the blame. You know, some of the greatest leaders in the Bible, when they do their prayers, they don't cast blame on others. They say, Lord, forgive me. Uh, when they're praying for the nation, they say, Lord, forgive us. They include themselves. And Abigail, I don't think she's done anything wrong, but she has humbled herself. And her speech will be 153 words in Hebrew. And she's really going to divert David's anger. She says, please, 25, do not let my Lord pay attention <laughs> to this worthless man. That's her husband. Don't ever talk about your husband that way. But, but the fact is, he's a fool. That's his name. So in essence, part of her argument on her face before the anointed one is, he's not worth it. Don't even waste your time with this man. He's a worthless, Belial is the word here. He's a Belial, he's a worthless man. Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is his game. I added that. That's actually not the literal translation, but it was too tempting. So I had to go with the rhyme. She actually says, Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Fool, fool is his name and he lives up to it. Wow. Now what do you think David's, David's had, you know, he's kind of clutching the sword and then he runs into this woman and she is married to this fool and she's on the ground and there's food and gifts and she's humbling herself before David and being honest. So many of us could avoid a lot of problems in life if we just started with being humble. Humility is such a difficult thing, isn't it? Uh, humility will solve a lot of problems in, in your life. It will stop a lot of fights in your marriage. But when we get proud, oh, chest goes out. You ain't going to tell me. My slide, my stuff, my grain, my house. You say it with a little snarl, too. Mine. Right? So she says, pay no attention to Nabal, for he is a Nabala. <laughs> the fool is filled with folly. That's the play on words in Hebrew. So notice what she says. 
She says, but I, your maidservant, 25, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. She, Abigail's saying, if I would have been there, it would have been different. I wouldn't have snubbed you. I would have sent plenty of pizzas to take care of your group. It would have been fine. She's diverting attention again. Now, therefore, my Lord, 26, as the Lord lives, she's a believer in Yahweh. She takes a word of oath, which they would say, you know, as God is alive, so, and then you follow it with a statement. She says, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, as you're here before me, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as navel. She's already making a prophecy, if you will. She's saying, my coming here to you now has averted you having innocent blood on your hands. If you've ever had anybody talk some sense in you, into you and stop you at a critical moment of your life, right before you were going to do something dumb. In David's case, you know, uh, later he cannot build the uh, temple because his hands are filled with blood. And it's Abigail who says, you don't want to go, you, you're the future king, you don't want to go into your reign with the blood of this household on your hands. Because the only guilty party is truly Nabal. And Abigail is wise. So sometimes when you have somebody come up to you and, and maybe what they say to you is not, it's, it's stopping something you intended. Maybe you've, you've got a plan. You're going to do somebody in. You're going you're gonna, to, you've, you've rehearsed it. You know, and you've gone over it with a friend. Here's what I, I should have said it right here. I should have, <laughs> you ever done that before? Every time you walk away from an interaction, then you say, I should have said this because that would have got him right there. And somebody says, are you sure? Uh, excuse me if this makes noise. You want to pray about that one? Have you thought that one through? You ever have somebody in your life like that? And Abigail, intelligent, smart, telling you, maybe you should think twice. So she says, um, the, but she gives credit to who? Look at 26. Since the what? The Lord has restrained you from shedding blood. God has done this. Sometimes God moves in the very natural times of life. All of a sudden, something happens. You run into somebody and you go, hmm. And you know what? Maybe that wasn't just a coincidence. Maybe that was a divine appointment. That was a messenger from the Lord trying to keep you from going the wrong direction. From avenging your, yourself by your own hand. Now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. So she was a heaven-sent messenger. Look at 27. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Now you're going to see her call David Lord. The word Lord is Adonai in Hebrew. It means master, but it can also mean husband. And it's quite interesting because this is also prophetic because Abigail is going to become David's wife. And we husbands would prefer if you ladies could start calling us Lord. <laughs> Are you laughing at that? In 1 Peter 3, it says that Sarah called Abraham Lord. So if you hear that, guys, if you hear that, you know, you hear Lord, just say, yes, honey. I'm totally serious. I think this should be implemented. No, I'm just kidding. 
Nobody walk out. It's all right. She says, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant. Now look at, again, she's taking the blame. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. She's prophesying over his future house. Because my Lord is what? Fighting the battles of the Lord. David could have easily dismissed her. She's a woman, yes. right? In the ancient world, you cut, you could have just easily dismissed her. But David was the type of man that I think whenever someone approached him, he was always open to that person being a potential voice for God. And Abigail became a tool, you could say, in the hands of the Holy Spirit to keep David from doing something dumb. And, you know, sometimes, Oscar, it's our wives who say to us, calm down, think this through a little bit more, we're ready to slug somebody, right? Yeah. And Abigail became that tool. And then what you said at the beginning, I think, is so important, that ultimately in verse 39, David recognizes that God took care of the whole thing. In fact, this chapter says that God struck Nabal and he died. And Abigail becomes David's wife, right? Mm -hmm. And she appears to be this beautiful, noble woman. And once again, even though David didn't seem to have it within him this time, he listened. And I think that that is an important thing. Sometimes we don't want to listen. I don't want to hear it. Someone's trying to reason with us and we close them out. And I think the application here is that David, even though he was the anointed one, you know, he heard out Abigail and God, you know, there was bloodshed that was spared. Abigail may have get, gotten caught up in all of that. Who knows what would have what would have happened to her and now she becomes his wife and I mentioned to you too that there's a view here that David when he marries her may become some sort of kinsman redeemer mm -hmm. uh, which is a beautiful picture of what all this is about right isn't it about you know that God purchases us you know from our uh, you know our shortcomings our sins and he buys us back right yes so um, what's your thoughts on the kinsman redeemer part well, the kinsman redeemer is that he brought her out of a sticky situation because she knew what her husband was like. Perhaps he was not kind to her. Perhaps he was even abusive towards her. Perhaps God had heard her heart, heard her voice, and allowed this man to be the fool that he was. He probably had his heart hardened towards God. God dealt with him. With this kinsman redeemer also is that David was allowed to be that, I think, because he was able to come to his senses. He saw red at first, but he was able to listen to the voice of reason. And then he realized, God used you to prevent me from doing something I would regret later. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.